Welcome to another podcast, Flying Solo once again. You know who I was going to interview this week uh, for the podcast? Although I'm kind of enjoying going solo, and it seems like you guys are enjoying me going solo as well. So maybe we will mix in more solo shows like this. I was commenting, I think I was commenting on, um, I think I might have, I can't remember if this was on the podcast or just, I don't remember where I was saying this, but somewhere I said that I uh, was... um, Uninter- uh, that I was only interested in doing interviews and that we would only do solo shows on like holiday weekends or something when I didn't have time to find a guest. And uh, I was flooded. And by the way, I will just say, so you know, when radio people say they were, that they've heard tons of feedback or that everyone is saying or that they were flooded with feedback, we're usually saying two to four people have said this to us (laughs) anywhere between two and four um anyway uh, somewhere between two and four people gave me the feedback that actually i kind of like the solo shows and i like doing them too so we can keep doing these or i'll mix them in we'll mix them in what i was gonna say who i was going to interview was i ran into a contact tracer at wegman's and I was talking to this guy, and he's yeah, he, he was relatively new, being a COVID contact tracer from Monroe County. And he said, let me get a couple weeks of doing this job under my belt, and then I would love to be on the podcast. Because I was telling him I'd like to talk to somebody like that, because what a job that is, right? That's just a never-ending battle, this job of that you've got to call people all day to notify them that they've been around somebody who has COVID. And now they have to go back and they have to contact trace. And then, and he was also telling me he's in a certain type of contact tracing called community support, I guess, which is like he'll deal with the people who have been contacted and told that they need to quarantine, who now their feedback is, well, how the hell am I supposed to quarantine? I need to go to work and make money you know, something like that, or, or I, I can't, you know, I need to go to the grocery store or I live alone. How am I going to get food? And so he has to help solve those problems. And I thought he'd be real interesting to talk to. And we will talk to him. I don't know if it'll be next week, week after, but he's going to get a hold of me when he thinks it's the right time that he's gotten a little more experience under his belt. He had just gotten hired and right. I mean, that makes sense that they would be hiring, right? I mean, they need more people. This shit's out of control right now. It was funny because while I was talking to him, he told me, he goes, there's a bear facer in the bread aisle. And for a second, I was like, what? And then I went, oh, I see what he's talking about. There's a bear fit. There's somebody without a mask on. This was actually inside of East Avenue Wegmans. He goes, there's somebody without a mask on in the bread aisle. And I didn't see that person. Um, But he had told me, he goes, yeah, he goes, it's so funny when you see somebody without a mask on because they just get publicly shamed. Everyone around them basically either verbally abuses them or passive aggressive. You're right. You can see the difference between there's some people that are just aggressive that will literally just say, go put a mask on, asshole. And then there's other people who are just so passive aggressive about it that they'll just make a show out of staring. But I will tell you who who really actually does kind of piss me off. There is, of course, the people not wearing masks piss me off. Just wear a goddamn mask. But the people who witness it do nothing about it 
and then immediately go on Twitter and go, um, I was just in East Avenue Wegmans and I saw somebody without a mask on. <laughs> that annoys me too. I don't like that side either. You know, I, I basically the the extreme on either side. I hate. Can we just all be normal? Can the guy wear a mask to begin with? And if he doesn't wear a mask, can the person who confronts him treat him at least like a human being and say, I would really appreciate it, and so would many of the other customers here, if you wore a mask? And you might say, well, isn't that the store's job? And, and you know, maybe. But I honestly just think it's our job as a human being, it, whether you work for that particular store or not. I think it's just your job as a human being just to say, look, I would feel more comfortable. And if you look around the store, 99% of people are wearing masks. 99, Probably even more than 99%, quite frankly. I, I've witnessed it one time in the last month where I've seen somebody in public blatantly inside in a store. This was Now, this was actually in Restaurant Depot. A gentleman walking around with no mask on. And this guy, uh, uh, now I'll tell you the truth with this guy. This guy was kind of aggressive about it. Uh, and maybe this is just me projecting a little, but he looked on his face as if he was challenging the people around him to say something. And I did not. I will admit I did not say anything in this case because I'm going, I don't need to get in a fight inside Restaurant Depot, which is maybe why the people who go tattletale on Twitter do what they do. And so maybe I'm already correcting myself and saying, okay, I understand. Because on the one hand, you, you know, you're upset to see someone not wearing a mask. But on the other hand, you're like, look, do I, a, a professional adult, a mature adult, I'm not just talking about me, I'm talking about any of us. Do I, an adult with responsibilities, a job, a family, do I need to go get into a fight right now in public? Most of us, most normal people are like, no, I do not need to go get into a fight right now in public. So I'm just going to skip this one. I'm going to sit this one out. Anyway, I just wanted to comment on that. So the contact tracer coming on, hopefully in the pretty near future, do an episode of the podcast. I think that'll be kind of interesting hearing about how people take the news. I wonder how people take the news. You know, do people get angry? What do you think? Do you think more people get angry when they hear it? Do you think more people get concerned when they hear it? I, I, I will be real interested to hear how most people hear it. I have to tell you the truth. If I got the phone call, and I'm lucky enough I have not yet, but if I got the phone call and it was Monroe County doing contact tracing, saying, hey, Paulie, you've been in contact with somebody who has coronavirus, I think I would err on the side of frustration and anger and less on the side of fear. I mean, I would obey the rules, but I would kind of be pissed. I'd be like, who did, who? My answer would be like, who? <laughs> like, who and when? And I don't know. That's the other thing is, do they tell you that information? I don't even know the answer to that. Do they actually tell you the information? When Will they tell you who and when? Because I would imagine that could lead to some fights and some arguments. I mean, maybe that's not the best idea. Maybe you shouldn't tell me who and when. I wouldn't want to know that. Uh, other things I wanted to comment on on this here solo podcast is the uh, the Browns and the Bills both being 9-3. and three. So basically what happened this week was I think I tweeted something about, and, and this weekend I'm so excited because for the next couple of weeks the Browns and the Bills play a lot of primetime games. I mean, the Bills play Sunday night football, the Browns play Monday night, and then the following week the Browns play Sunday night football. So 
Um, I, well, I have said this in the past, too, if you're calling me out on this, saying, Polly, I thought you didn't like primetime. In my past life, when I had to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning for work, I hated primetime games because it's it was literally, it was just like, okay, well, I'm not going to sleep tonight because I'm going to take a quick nap and then go to work after this game. Now that I am uh, at least in a position where I am working my ass off, but I at least don't have to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning anymore. My days don't start until between 5.30 and 7 a.m. every day. So um, I do get the chance to sleep. So if a game doesn't get done until 11.30 midnight, I'm still going to get enough sleep that I'm going to be perfectly fine the next day. So I'm, I'm back to where I like primetime games now. Because the other thing I love, especially with football, is just watching Red Zone Channel all day. So, like, that's what I'm going to get to do. So I'm so excited for, for, I guess it's today. I'm recording this yesterday, but today. Uh, I'm so excited for today just to be able to sit down and watch from 1 o'clock until 7.30, just watch Red Zone Channel and just watch every game, basically. And then once all those games wrap up, take a quick dinner break, and then it's just the Bills game. Just concentrate only on the Bills game. Then same thing tomorrow night, just the Browns game. But the reason I even bring it up is because I wasn't going to talk about timing. I was going to talk about the actual the teams. I was on Twitter, and I was commenting something about the Browns, and somebody said, you know, you're supposed to be a Bills fan, or you should be a Bills fan. Or Basically, it came to where somebody said, look, Paulie, your customers are Bills fans. And I had this realization where I went, oh, shit. Both of these teams are 9-3. and three. There is a really good chance that both of these teams are going to the playoffs, which means that there is a chance the Browns could play the Bills in the playoffs. And so I commented on Twitter. I said, I, uh, if that happens, my only option is to delete Twitter because I know who my customers are, and I know if the Browns play the Bills who I'm going to root for. And those two things do not mesh well together. <laughs> it's not gonna look. Good. It's not gonna be a good look if I'm on Twitter bashing the Bills, <laughs> which I don't have anything to bash about. I like the Bills, but if the Bills play the Browns in the playoffs, I'll find ways to bash the Bills, and I don't think that's smart. It's just not smart business. So anyway, I but I will tell you this though, it, because I do know also who my listeners are, and I think it's mostly Bills fans. The Buffalo Bills are a better team than the Cleveland Browns. From somebody who has, I've watched every second of every Browns game, and I have watched easily 80 to 90% of all Bills games. Because when, first of all, there's been a lot this season of them not playing at the same time, so I've been able to watch the games completely separately. And the handful of times where they have both played at 1 o'clock or they've both played at the same time, I usually watch the Browns live, and then I watch the Bills, what they call shortcut, uh, did you know that they do that? DirecTV does this thing with NFL Sunday Ticket where they will actually take the games and edit them down to 30 minutes, and it's literally just play after play. So as soon as the play is whistled dead, it immediately goes to the next snap. And that's aw- that's an awesome way to watch a game, I'm not going to lie. It's almost too fast. where You almost need it to slow down. But they pack all that action down into uh, into 30 minutes. So that's a lot of time. So I've, I've seen – Probably of the Bills' 12 games, I've probably watched eight of them in full real time, and then I've probably watched four of them in the shortcut version. So anyway, I feel like I've seen almost every bit of both teams. And I can tell you the Bills are a legit good team, 9-3. and three. They're every bit of 9-3. and three. 
they have very rarely looked bad this year. And by the way, every NFL team at some point or another is going to look bad over the course of a season. Even the Chiefs, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, who I will say I believe to be the only team in the AFC that is clearly better than Buffalo, I think Buffalo is – I think you can make a really good argument that Buffalo is the second-best team in the AFC. I think you can make that argument because the only other team – that would actually stand a legitimate chance would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a Browns fan and an, an admitted Steelers hater, but I believe the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing way over their heads right now. They are not as good as their record. And, I I mean, it, it goes to show how culture and coaching – can really get a team over a hump because the Steelers are way overperforming, in my opinion. Anyway, um, even the Chiefs have looked bad at one point. Remember the Chiefs played against, I think it was Las Vegas, right? The Raiders crushed the Chiefs out of nowhere. Uh, a Chiefs team that has no business losing to Vegas lost to them bad at one point. And so, really, the Bills this season have looked bad maybe, maybe for four what six quarters total on the whole season maybe the browns on the other hand have have really kind of lucked into some of this shit now no don't get me wrong the browns have had moments this season where they've looked really good uh they've also had way more than six quarters worth of looking really bad though i will tell you that and um it almost feels as though the Browns are kind of squeaking out some of their wins. I, I don't know. Look, I'm, I'm just, I'm, a, I'm just more pessimistic on the Browns because they're closer to my heart than the Bills. I just think the Bills are a better team than the Browns. I just do. I just do. That's all. So I wanted to comment on that as well. I smell. You know what's crazy is I'm, I'm in my. If you can't tell, I'm in my vehicle again, and I just came from a half a day at my plant. Um, getting out, getting home for lunch today, so that's good. Got a little work to do this afternoon, but ideally by dinner time tonight I should be free. Tomorrow should be a day off. I knock on wood as I say all this because shit can always go wrong, but I should be able to have something resembling a weekend this weekend. And But as I hold this microphone in my face right now, I smell garlic powder because we were just making a, a salad dressing and the last thing I did before I left was I um, I had uh got, I, oh, yeah I actually can I just stop for a second and say before I get to the the smell here I'm not driving distracted I have a microphone in my hand I have a hand on a steering wheel and my eyes are straight ahead on the road so I, it's not like you might be thinking, did Polly just admit he's distracted driving? This is no more distracted driving than being on the phone through your Bluetooth would be right here. This is, uh, I'm good to go. The eyes are on the road and on the road only. Uh, anyway, so I was making this salad dressing and I got this spice and, and, you know, sometimes you'll get some skin contact to some of the spice, uh, which is not a problem. Don't worry. The, the thermal processing on anything will kill off any bacteria coming from skin contact on food. But uh, it does leave you, though, going home smelling like garlic powder. So I'm smelling my hand right now. I'm going, ugh, it's kind of gross, actually. I mean, in a way it smells good, but in a way it's garlic powder. You don't want to smell like that all day. The other thing I realized was, and talking about doing podcast solo, was people say that they like hearing, because I always say, I go, I, I don't, I don't, people only listen when I talk about food or when I talk about radio. 
And some people have said they really like the insides of the business, hearing business stuff. And that is fascinating to me as well. I just, I don't know what, what is. It, sometimes I start talking and I think, God, this probably sounds boring, but maybe I'm being a little over, overly judgmental. Um, I did have somebody say to me, what if you just talked about how the business even works? Because a lot of people, one of the what we would call barriers to entry in even doing this, putting a product out is people just think it's really complicated. It must be really hard. And the truth is that's what we do. That's our job. I mean, people will sum it up and they'll say, oh, Polly, oh, oh, Permac, hit Polly's business. Well, they, they make sauce. That's what they do. Yeah, that's what we do. But there's a little bit more to it. What we do is we help you go from home recipe to store shelves. We really kind of hold your hand through that whole process. And a lot of people have said to me over the years, they said, well, how do you even do that? It seems really complicated. It's not that bad. I mean, it starts sort of romantically. It starts with that recipe, right? It starts with that thing that you think you make better than anybody else. That thing that everyone tells you you're so good at making. It starts with that. Uh, what we would do is we would take that. We would do some testing on it. Specifically, what we're testing for is pH or acidity. Uh, depending on what you're making, so we'll take a, we'll just take a pasta sauce, and kind of carry this through the whole process for this example. But this could be any any sauce we're talking about here. But so, pasta sauce, we'll take it. We'll test it for pH. Whatever the acidity comes back, if it's the magic number, typically is anywhere from like 4.2 to 4.4. If it tests under a 4.2, then then you've got a pretty safe product there. What we're going to do is we're going to get that turned into a scheduled process and get that approved by what's called a process authority, um, which locally we have one at Cornell University's Geneva branch. There's a place called the Food Venture Center, and they can, they can issue you a scheduled process. Once you have that, you're, you're pretty much good to go. So a scheduled process is generally going to be three pieces of paper. The front is going to be a form letter where the process authority is telling you if you follow all the steps on the next two pages you're good to go with your product the next page is going to be a copy of your formula or your recipe and also it's gonna be a little black box that says something like critical factors and the critical factors are the things that you have to follow in order to be creating a safe product so for example with pasta sauce the critical factors would say something like Cook to 195 degrees, hold at 195 degrees for six minutes, jar and immediately invert for two minutes so that you sterilize the bottom of the lid, test for pH, pH must be under 4.2. That would be the entire contents of the, uh, of the test or of the critical factors. And then there would be your formula and then the third page would be your procedure. So procedure might say, it's literally just recipe. It's like, put the oil in the kettle, get the oil hot, put the onion and the garlic in the oil, put the peppers in the oil, add the tomato, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what you end up getting is you end up getting uh, a recipe that's just kind of like a recipe on steroids with a whole bunch of important things that you have to do or procedures you have to follow in order to create this, this shelf-stable product. Um, after that, we're pretty much free to produce it according to the process schedule, but we have to get your label made. The label has to represent the product 
exactly the way the scheduled process says. So you have to you have some room to be creative on the front, right? You're going to put your brand and, and artwork, whatever you want to put. On the side of the jar, though, you have to you have to list your ingredients, and they have to be. A lot of people don't know this. The ingredients have to be listed in order of weight. So whatever is first listed is the thing that that jar contains the most of and so on and so forth down the list where the last thing on that list of ingredients is going to be whatever that jar contains the least of you also then have to put a net weight of everything on the front of the jar then a couple of the things that are technically optional nutrition facts for example technically optional but i tell you you're not going to be accepted into 99 percent of grocery stores without nutrition facts the only reason that they're optional and the only people who might not do them would be like the amish selling at a farmer's market or something could could decide to skip nutrition facts but in general you need them also a barcode is something you're going to need then we're going to pick out a label we're going to pick out a, a cap for your jar and we're going to agree upon a spec. We're going to do a test batch where you're going to give us the approval that we've made your product correctly, uh, right to right down to the spec, right down to the jar, the cap, the uh, the color, the viscosity, all of that. We're going to make. We're going to come to a mutual agreement that says that we've done it correctly. Um, and then after that, we can produce for you. And that's it. I mean, really, that's, you know, that's when it, people will say that seems like the hard part. That's really not the hard part. The hard part is taking that product now, going out into the world and selling it. I always put it like this. You know, your friends and family are going to buy those first couple of cases of your product from you, of course. Can you sell cases three through infinity? Because that's going to be the question. And if you can, then you're in good shape. But the hardest part is going to be leaving that facility with your product and convincing complete strangers to take a chance on your product. That's the single hardest part. Sales is absolutely the hardest part of this, not the science. We're doing the science, the manufacturing now, but but the the uh, the sales is definitely the hardest part. So um, I am actually just about to get off the exit at Culver Road. I'm going to Village Bakery to pick up lunch for my wife, myself, my son. I uh, feel I still have good sense of timing from my radio days. I feel this is actually going to end up being a slightly shorter episode because of the fact that uh, I'm going to cut it off here. I, maybe I'll jump on and record more later, but if anything strikes me. Otherwise, a little bit of a shorter episode, and we'll get back into some, some meatier content, I think, on later episodes. Look, I don't know that you need an hour from me every week. I, for all I know, you're like, good, Polly, keep it to keep it to 20 or 30 minutes whatever this is right now keep it to the 20 minutes from here on out Polly this is you know this is that's that's plenty that's plenty Polly it's all we need from you right now all right pulling into village bakery thank you for listening have a great weekend go bills go browns